Who am I? Why am I here? Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Tear down this wall. And the wall just got 10 feet taller. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Well, welcome to Election Shock Therapy, an emergency podcast. I feel like uh, we should have sirens or something going on. Yeah. Woo, Sound woo. the alarm. <laughs> Uh, we realized that uh, the first debate is tonight. Well, we already knew the first debate was tonight. We realized <laughs> that uh, we wanted to just talk just for a little bit about what we could expect, what you should expect uh, from the debate tonight. So I have passed around a um, first debate uh, um, bingo card that we're all going to play along tonight. So I don't know. What do you have above your free space? Uh, I have uh, we don't win anymore. Uh, so if that gets said tonight, <laughs> you get that spot. All right. Okay. I've got um, John McCain. Huh. Uh, yeah. Um, on my sheet, it says political correctness. Mm. Ooh, I don't actually have a sheet. I'll just look on Sam's sheet here. Oh, build the wall. I want to see if the build the wall comes up. Build a wall? If uh, um, I have uh, believe me, I, I'm quite confident Trump at some yes. point will say <laughs> yes. believe That's me. That's in opening statements, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. much. It mm-hmm. might just be him saying that a couple times. Uh, okay, so, gents, <laughs> the first debates tonight. This means that a lot of Americans, for the first time, are are tuning in tonight. Please, t- actually, tell the story real quick that you told me about talking to your neighbor, because that was enlightening, I think. Sure. I, I mean, they might even listen to this podcast. I, I'm not sure. So I have I live in a suburban neighborhood. Uh, my neighbors are professionals, but not uh, not political professionals. And they know I'm a professor of political science. And I was talking in the driveway with them uh, this weekend, and a couple of them said, uh, the, I said, the first debate's this Monday. And I said, yeah. And they said, who's winning? And it, re- it reminded me that I kind of live in this bubble where I mm-hmm. pay attention to the polls all the time. <laughs> and I watch the news all the time. And I'm kind of caught up in the horse race. And for a lot of Americans, even a lot of Americans who are very likely to show up and vote, right. very likely to uh, to cast a ballot, they're not paying really close attention to the election at this point. They might have caught a little bit of the convention. They might have caught a little bit of the primary debates. And now they're dipping back into figuring out they may already know who they're going to vote for, but they're, they're not real sure about the actual state of the race. Right. And that suggests the debates might be more powerful than I think we may give them credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, I mean, I know that, that I mean, when you listen to uh, or, or read 538, things like that, they sure. talk about the things that move the polls or debates, things that move the polls generally. Not that that's the be-all and end-all, but. Um, my experience is that in recent elections, debates have moved the polls. And I'm, I was trying to figure out why that's the case. And I think the reason why debates move the polls is because um, enthusiasm for a candidate when that candidate is perceived to have won the debate uh, increases. And that Mm -hmm. means people who are likely to vote for that candidate anyway say that they're more likely to vote for that candidate. So if Trump does well in this first debate, people who are maybe more closeted Trump fans who didn't really report that in the polls but uh, might now say, no, I'm I'm for Trump if he does well. Same for Clinton. If she does Mm -hmm. well, she might increase enthusiasm among people who are already going to vote for her even if they were just voting against Trump. And I think one of the things to, yeah. to note as well is that, you know, in sort of traditional political science, the polls are generally seen as something that, that maybe move the polls for a little bit and then it goes back, except when a race is extremely close. Right. And in cases where the polls are extremely close, the debates actually are seen to make uh, a much larger difference and even a more lasting difference sometimes. Well, one, one, yeah. And one of the things I'm interested to see in that is, I mean, this this year there's a lot more 
at this point in the election, there's a lot more undecided voters yes. in terms of when you're looking at where uh, where Clinton and Trump are polling. I mean, there's a lot of empty space in mm-hmm. there. Sure. I'm interested, mm-hmm. just interested to see not just where do they move relative to each other, but do we see some of that undecided block start to go away? Because, I mean, yeah. presumably it has to right. as we move towards Election Day, but is this one of those spots where we see – Right. People kind of commit a little bit more, right? Because right now, about eighty to eighty-two percent of the general electorate is saying they're voting for either Clinton or Trump, right? And so, yeah, if, if, to Sam's point, like if it gets down, it gets closer to ninety percent is is behind one candidate or the other. That seems significant, which fits with the points that you guys have already been making, right? I mean that um, it would seem like you know people who might already be inclined to vote Democratic or might already be inclined to vote Republican are going to feel better or worse about that, depending on how Clinton or Trump go tonight. So it's not so much persuading and decided as persuading people who should normally be in your column that they actually want to be enthused about, you know, Hillary or Donald. And a lot of those people in this election are people who have been uh, supporting uh, Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. Right. So really what what Trump and Clinton have a chance to do is claim those people who aren't on the stage. Right. Uh, claim votes away from Johnson. Claim votes away from Stein. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So are there specific things you're looking for tonight besides things on your uh, bingo card? <laughs> well, the bingo card is more fun. But I think the thing I would say is just I'm very curious about the expectation side of yeah, it more than anything sure. else. So um, Trump's people have done a nice job of setting up the expectations game, which is to say that if he shows up and he looks even remotely presidential, um, it's hard for them not to claim victory and sell that narrative. Um, they've raised the expectations because Hillary is a traditional cam- candidate. She has more, you know, uh, experience in debating. Um, so they're, you know, they're trying to win the expectations game. And so it's, it'll be interesting to see how much they succeed at that, uh, how much the Clinton campaign is successful at pushing back against that. Um, the other thing that's weird is like, you know, whoever wins the first debate often is less likely to win the second one, uh, just because there's always this desire to sort of even things out. So if, the media comes out and says Trump won the first one because he showed up and looked presidential or semi-presidential, right? Um, then there's going to be an incentive to make it sound like Clinton won the second. So that's another thing sure. to sort of keep in is, mind. Is winning an important thing in terms? I mean, winning the elections important, but sure. how important, <laughs> important is is being declared the winner? Because these are more than subjective in terms of uh, absolutely. And being declared the winner all is really. What matters, because mm-hmm. uh, what we'll see the, at the end of this debate are people who are strongly partisan for Trump will say that Trump won the debate. Right. Um, people who are strongly partisan for Clinton will say that Clinton won the debate. And it will be up to the media to frame a narrative whereby the rest of us sort of have some kind of sense of who won the debate. In 2012, uh, Romney was widely perceived to have, quote unquote, won the debate against Obama. Obama seemed diffident and less prepared, and uh, mm-hmm. Romney was energetic and right. sort of on the offensive, um, but in a, but in a purposeful, positive way. And I think, and and that caused the Obama team to really double down and mm-hmm. try harder, and really to change his style and his approach in the second and third debate. Which then again, people declared that he won the second and third debates. Um, if we okay, so if we were to go like uh, you know John Madden style keys to keys to victory like what sure. what are the what are the keys to victory on either side? I was here? hoping you would go here because I've been I have a I have a, um, a pent up sportscaster inside of me. All right, all right, all right. Keys to victory for Clinton, uh, and I'm going to get this into like the pundit style for uh, for sportscasters. Don't chase. Uh, they've already been preparing for two different kinds of Donald Trump. Is he going to be sort of the presidential, buttoned-up, uh, calm Donald Trump, or is he going to be the wild, bombastic, uh, insult-throwing Donald Trump? And supposedly Clinton has been preparing to be both. The problem is she can't be schizophrenic and try to approach Trump in two different directions and right. you know attack him and then pull back and try to look presidential at the same time. She's got to kind of pick a lane. 
and, and stick inside that lane in terms of how she presents herself. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, she's going to kind of fulfill that own narrative that she's just a robotic political uh, animal. I guess a robotic animal isn't a very... You can have robotic animals. That's the thing. Sure. sure. Speak before you move on to, to to other keys. As as a fan of documentary films, I really want to see a great documentary about debate prep because everything I hear makes it sound fascinating in terms of like the the talking about like who do they get to play Trump? Right. Do we know who the, Clinton has playing Trump? I don't. I have I not heard. heard. Yeah. The only thing I heard was that it sounded like they might have had different people playing because mm-hmm. again of the sort of preparing for different Donald Trumps. Um. So yeah, I think that they've had multiple people, but they've been very quiet about it. Is that like, is that like teams it. used to prepare for Barry Sanders? Yeah. You'd have to tackle three running backs, right? Like right. in practice. <laughs> <laughs> or are they like when, when colleges have like two yep. quarterbacks, they have yes. like, the, the drop right. back passer, and then like the scat, or like the the, the option uh, QB, the option QB. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. It's a football heavy pod right now, guys. A <laughs> little bit, a right. little bit. Um, well, you do have a Notre Dame PhD, an Ohio State PhD, an Indiana PhD. Go That's Irish. Here, so that's true. Um, I did my graduate work in Minnesota, so we're not really a football power. Um, so, in terms of Trump, what would be what would be keys to success? What are things that he needs to do to to be successful tonight? Chris Madden, <laughs> Chris Madden, <laughs> go for it. Um, I think uh, he needs to look presidential, and mm-hmm. um, he can be himself. I mean, I mean, what I mean by that is he does he, <laughs> he needs he needs to not get too far into looking presidential that he abandons what has made him popular amongst his supporters in the first place. He needs to, he needs to be a little bit more uh, free talking, a little bit more um, engaging. He's he can be more charismatic than Clinton can, and he needs to do that. But he needs mm-hmm. to do it in a way mm-hmm. that doesn't immediately alienate groups of people or, or give the other side talking right. points for why he's unbalanced or unstable. And he needs to not get caught by a gotcha question. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what Lester Holt has in mind, but uh, Trump has looked most embarrassed when he's been called out for not knowing things like the nu- what the nuclear triad is in uh, foreign policy or not understanding what, how nuclear deterrence works. He can't afford to have one of those kinds of moments because Clinton really could pounce on that. Right. And I think he's not going to be a Marco Rubio or Barack Obama style policy wonk. But at the same time, if he can show a little bit more than just sort of like, wow, it's going to be great under my administration. We're going to do amazing things. I mean, if he can avoid just sort of vague use of superlatives and actually uh, talk a little bit more substantively about policy, um, that could also reassure even people who that, might even, want to vote for him. Even if that even though even if those specificities were um more general. Right. Uh, Ronald general. Reagan famously against uh, Jimmy Carter uh, responded to lots of Carter's wonkishness with some sort of generalized principles. Right. But those principles resonate with the American people. Exactly. And I think Trump could do that as well. You want to tell that you're I'm a big picture guy, right? right. Not that, yeah, exactly. I mean, clearly, he's not a policy guy. And that's and that's OK. In terms of said, selling, I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a CEO. I yeah. will pick the best people. Right. right. Is, is there another thing that I've heard as, as in turn? This is more about scoring. The debate in terms of who won than, than anything else, but that oftentimes the winner is, is decided pretty early on. That that mm. sets a narrative for the way people watch the rest of the debate. What would it look like for um, Clinton or or Trump to score a, a first round knockout, and then just the rest of the debate plays out? But they've basically established that they're that they're that they've won early on. I mean, I, I got your question question that flusters one of them. Uh, like Chris mentioned, could yeah. could possibly do that. I also think. I mean, one of the things that <clears throat> the New York Times was pointing out this morning too was uh, <laughs> they were saying they were saying that basically if if Clinton comes out and seems to not take Trump seriously, that could also 
um, be be a major downfall for her, even, right. even if it just happens early on. If if she comes out and sort of acts like Trump, you know, is stupid, she can't believe that she's on the same right. stage as him, right. things like that. And I and I think that gets Gore to famously did that with Bush in two thousand. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This that was sort of Gore's downfall. Um, but I think I think that sort of gets to uh, another aspect too. There was uh, uh, an interview I saw. Uh, a little while ago of like a foreign reporter who was saying, you know, you see Americans come out to political events and they go and they vote and you start asking them, why do you support this person? Why are you voting for this person? And they can't tell you. They'll right. just say, because I like them. And I think in some ways that's um, going to be, you know, if you want to talk about like what will early on sort of decide where the narrative goes is which candidate seems like somebody likable. I think right. like, the likability right. factor is actually mm-hmm. going to be a very big deal. Which um, is funny, which is funny debate. in this particular election right. to talk about <laughs> right. likability being... Yeah. But I, but I think the candidate that, that right. can come out and actually be somebody that people can sort of say, oh, I want to root for them. I actually want mm-hmm. them to win mm-hmm. because right now the narrative surrounding this election is, oh, you know, they're both terrible and they're both awful. Right. And if either of them can come out and have anything <laughs> even remotely looking like, oh, yeah. this is actually somebody I want to cheer for to actually win, you know, quote unquote, win this debate. Yep. That would be a knockout yep. punch early on to say, oh, you know, Trump actually looks, um, you know, he actually seems sane and like somebody who you know he's not this crazy mm-hmm. guy that, mm-hmm. that the that the that uh you know the, the mainstream media has been portraying him as right or right. clinton you know if clinton comes out and they're like oh she actually has seems to really have a heart and a vision and she's she seems not, warm right. and likable right yeah. she's warm and likable she's not just this cold calculating hmm. uh, right. person i think that will in many ways set up the the early narrative yeah i think i think that's right so i mean this which is a, such a low bar right to come out and seem non-awful but um <laughs> but at some level i think that's that's correct like that you know if one of them can do that that would be very successful. The other thing I think that could be bad. Should I have them apologize? Is that What's a helpful that? debate tactic to apologize? I I would say. I mean, Trump I think is incapable of doing that. And I think <laughs> Hillary's probably incapable of doing that too. So <laughs> I don't see it as a likely okay. strategy. Um, what I would add to that is I think for for Hillary, I think it would be as Mitchell said, very damaging if she comes out and seems like I'm just so above this, you know, sort of shades of you know Gore 2000 or even Obama 2008, that first election where like I don't need to prep. So much um, for Trump, the devastating or thing. George H. W. Bush checking his watch. Yeah, or George H. W. Bush checking his watch. I mean, that's really that can be devastating. Um, I think for Trump, the down the danger for him, especially since he doesn't appear to have done a lot of debate prep, is if he comes down out and looks really condescending toward Hillary and treats her in a way that seems sort of paternalistic. Um, there's always been this concern when you have women candidates, and we don't have uh, very much history of having women candidates in these kinds of debates, these kind of high level debates. Um, but this is something like Joe Biden was very aware of in 2008. Like, how do I debate Sarah Palin and disagree with her without com- making it feel like I'm talking down to her and therefore alienating women who just are right. sort of this visceral, visceral reaction to get seen a woman treated like that? And so I think that's the possible issue for Trump is if he is perceived as doing that. Okay, you know, I, that I want to – I realize we're, we're running out of time. We don't want this to be a full pod. We want it to be a, a quick emergency <laughs> pod. Um, so <laughs> kind of a lightning round question. If Lester Holt were to call you right now and say – Give me a question to ask. What would you mo- what would you find is the most interesting question you could ask? I'm going to go with the basics. I mean, why do you want to be president? And I think that um, I, I have not heard Hillary Clinton articulate a grand vision for what she wants to accomplish um, after eight years of Barack Obama. Um, simply saying, I'm going to keep doing what we're doing, I'm going to be competent, isn't really a grand vision. And I certainly have not heard Donald Trump articulate a grand vision. I mean, his closest thing is sort of something along the lines of, I'm going to protect you, which... Okay, so you just you know, I think that would be an interesting question to hear both of them respond to. I think I'd like to know what they think the job of the presidency is. 
So what yeah. I, I basically <laughs> ask them to basically say, what do you think the job description is? Like, what do you think a president is supposed to do? And I think that would be very revealing. I mean, to mm-hmm. s- basically mm-hmm. see what they what they think this job is supposed to be. And I actually think they probably have somewhat different visions of that. And I think it would yep. actually it would be it would be revealing. I would invert their campaign slogans on each other. Hillary Clinton's <laughs> is stronger together. And I would ask her, I would ask Donald Trump, how will you make America, how will you unite Americans? Ooh. And I would ask Hillary Ooh. Clinton, um, how will you make America great again? Oh, that's good. I don't that's know why they don't have Chris yeah. moderating a debate. Yeah, yeah that's right. Maybe in well, 2020. Well, we might actually be moderating a debate between the college Dems and the college Republicans yeah. here on campus. So, <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you. This was an emergency podcast from Election Shock Therapy. Um, I'm Chris Moore. Uh, send us a question at electionshocktherapy at gmail.com. Uh, you can also rate us and send a, put a review on iTunes. That helps other people find us. We appreciate that. Uh, for all my colleagues here, enjoy watching the debates tonight and go Royals. Oh.